You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And I'm Erin. And we are obviously pre-recording our shows at the moment because of the COVID crisis. But never fear, we're going to have some new content today and we're going to hope that our first pre-record doesn't sound as amateur as we think it's going to sound. Yes, we want to apologise for the quality. I'm currently almost sitting in my cupboard, which I've discovered is the best space to uh, record. Uh, There's a tip for uh, potential and keen podcasters. uh, Recording your cupboard. Um, And Heather's calling in, look... The quality may not be there, but I hopefully the quality of the content will outshine that, but only time will tell. <laughs> to help stop the spread of viruses like flu and coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose, prepare food or eat, care for someone sick, touch your face or use the toilet. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. Welcome to Out of the Blue. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM. You could also be listening online, podcasting, streaming, you could be listening online at 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. Basically, a million and one ways to listen to us, so just listen. Listen. Try really hard. Yes. <laughs> Look at the lengths that we're so going before, to. <laughs> so before we start today's show, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which uh, both of us are broadcasting from right now. That's right. And pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. So Erin, it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Well, it's not yet for us, but it will be. <laughs> it will be. So your lovely partner, Sarah, is she excited for Mother's Day? Uh, she is now. Look, she doesn't know this yet, but I've got nothing planned as of yet. But I'm, I have to I have to do something pretty quickly. <laughs> um, I will plan something. It will be a special day. It'll be her second Mother's Day. Uh, so we're all very excited. Oh. And the, the first Mother's Day where the bubba is old enough to know something's up. Something's a bit more exciting happening today. So it'll be special. Nice. That's so exciting. Yes. Well, a big shout out to my mum. I, uh, I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, but it's I Wednesday. Will be seeing her at some point on Sunday. <laughs> at some point today. 
<laughs> well, aren't you special? It's so confusing recording into the future. <laughs> Just bear with us, folks. We'll get there. We'll get there. Cool. So a big special Mother's Day to all those mothers out there, and I hope that even though we are in isolation, you still get a chance to hear from all your loved ones. Yes. Well, wishes yeah. for all. Now, during isolation, I have been working on my travel blog because I have had a bit of time up my sleeve. Now, obviously, travel is not an option right now. Not even interstate. Um, but I've been sending surveys to people around the world who I've met while I've travelled to find out a little bit about what they're doing in isolation, what the restrictions are like, what they're missing, sharing funny stories. And it's really interesting. One of the questions I've been asking everyone is, what's the first thing you want to do when restrictions are lifted? Oh, I, I think I think I want to go to the pub. I think I need some beer. I, I would love a parma, um, eggplant parma, of course. Uh, I just need to go out and socialize. I mean, my socialization at the moment is limited to saying hello to the neighbors from across the fence. I mean, it, it's pretty special. <laughs> I think I also really want to go to a pub and I sort of miss football as well. Of course, of course, yes. Well, who knows? Okay, so I don't want them to rub it back or anything, but I do miss it. Yes, I know there's lots of plans and everyone's eager, but we'll wait and see. Hopefully, actually, by the time this airs, they will have had some sort of announcement. Who knows? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's exciting. Excellent, I excellent. I love recording into the future of the unknown. <laughs> so, what, what, uh, you put this survey out. What were the answers and what came back? What was the top one? Well, the majority of people want to go to the ocean. Go to the ocean. Absolutely, uh, yeah. People want to stick their feet in the ocean and get a sea breeze. It's really interesting. I think we're biased here, but yeah, I think we're, we're on to a winner there. <laughs> I mean, if we can find a pub with a sea breeze, I mean, that's... Ooh, all right. I think we need to go to Western Australia there. They have some great pubs that look, sort of overlook the beach. I mean, we have some in St Kilda, but I think we all need to fly to Western Australia to really soak that up properly. We can't fly yet. Think about that. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> we'll get there. I was just really surprised that a lot of these people, I mean, when I've met them on like my travels, they haven't necessarily been ocean people or what I think of as ocean people, but... People just want to get out into nature, get some fresh air. Fantastic. And if you're listening, folks, do take the opportunity to reconnect with the nature around you. I'm going to have lots and lots of walks uh, down in Mary Creek and Darwin Creek, which is near where I live. Uh, there's some fantastic trails. Wherever you live, find that nature. Use this time to, to make the best of it. Yeah, exactly. I've been doing a lot of walks along the Anniversary Trail in Gardner's Creek, and it's just, it's really nice. And the people I see along the way, everyone's so eager to say hello. Yes, I think everyone's... Look, there is a silver lining to this whole isolation. Um, when you're out, everyone's happy. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. It's like, yes, we've all escaped together. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so you've been putting some work into a blog. You've been using the time productively. Uh, I've been trying. I get bored really easily, so I've got to keep myself busy. Busy, busy, busy. What about yourself? Well, I've been productive. I'm doing a whole range of things, and... You know me, I'm always researching something new, and I thought I'd actually talk about that today. I wanted to use the time to explore a range of animals that I've really... Look, to be honest, I haven't given them the interest that they are due. Um, maybe... I don't know, Heather, maybe I'm going to try this. See if you can pick which animals I'm talking about. I'm going to give you a couple of questions. If you're listening in, see if you can figure it out before I actually tell you the name. So they can be as small as a grain of rice or larger than a blue whale. Okay, they can have one one of the most okay. lethal venoms known to man, and conversely, they can have green fluorescent goo that can help map our own DNA. 
<laughs> they are you're not, you're not, getting me here not narrowing it down okay uh, they can be found literally everywhere there, there is water I mean we are a marine show after all we're going to be talking about animals in the water but literally everywhere any any ideas everywhere I mean, okay Longer than a blue whale. So bigger than a blue whale. Okay. I don't know. Here's one more thing. They have lived for over 500 million years, potentially up to 700 million years. Uh, and considering they're made of 95% of water, there's the giveaway. Uh, considering 95% of water, that's um, pretty extraordinary. They've done so well for so long. I think, do you know what they are now? <laughs> Jelly jellyus, that's right. So sea jellies or jellyfish, but as we all know, they're not fish. Sea jellies, they're incredible. And I want everyone listening to take a little closer look at the extraordinary world of jellies. I think most people, they take them for granted as just sort of a gelatinous blobs, uh, those things that sting you, but they are really diverse, really incredible, and they're capable of some really fantastic things. Um, to help me today, I want to introduce... Um, Heather, I want to introduce everyone listening into some of the some of the big ones, or well, not just the big ones, but the uh, the ones that I think sort of should strike your interest. So, if we're talking about big ones, actually, Namora, it's one of the biggest, not the biggest. We'll get to the Namora jelly can grow over to two hundred kilos. So these things are massive, and they inhabit inhabit the seas around Japan, uh, and they're huge. So think of a gigantic boulder that's jelly-like and has tentacles all over. Um, would you like to hug that, Heather? Is that something you like to meet in the wild? Look, I'm open to meeting lots of things in the wild. It doesn't sound as appealing as some of the other things in the wild. So, and I think that's one of the things that people have to sort of overcome. It's not something we want to cuddle. It's, uh, for a lot of people, not something that we find much affection for. But they are incredible. Huge, huge gelatinous blobs. Uh, they're behemoths. Uh, but they're actually wreaking havoc in Japan for local fishing fleets. So... Traditionally, there'll be huge blooms sort of randomly every 20 to 40 years in Japan, and no one really knew what was going on. Um, huge numbers of these 200 kilo animals, so a lot to deal with. But since 2005, thanks to climate change and our own unsustainable fishing practices, uh, there's been blooms every single year. So what's going on? Uh, climate change is causing rising regional temperatures. The algae is blooming, which means more babies survive into adulthood. Okay, so they've got more. Plus... Uh, as we do here in Japan, they love their fish. They love their tuna. They love their big fish. And they're taking these out of the sea. They're eating, uh, would otherwise be there eating these uh, jellies. So there's just heaps of them. Now, this is causing a problem. It was actually in 2009, an 11-ton ship capsized by the amount of jellies inside its nets. These things are huge. What? Yep. Yep. Huge. And the blooms are getting bigger and more frequent every year. So something to worry about. And it's not just the big ones we have to worry about. There are blooms all around the world. The same processes are favoring jellyfish blooms. Quite incredible, isn't it? That's incredible. I, I'm trying to picture a ship of that size just capsizing because of jelly. Literally, they were pulling up the net. The weight and the amount uh, of movement and size just over it went. Uh, I will say all the crew members did survive. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I'm just thinking about trying to catch jelly in a net. And like the childish part of me is like, well, if I have jelly in my hands and I squish it, 
it like goes through my fingers. Uh, these things are... have enough integrity that they don't just squish through the net. That's right. That's right. And they can literally weigh over 200 kilos each. So they've got a bit of size behind them. But it's not just the big ones causing problems. There was actually in 2009, a nuclear reactor shut down in Sweden by a swarm of moon jellies that was washed into its cooling uh, jets. So it used the seawater to cool the, the uh, nuclear reactor. In came the jellies. They had to shut everything down. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, absolutely incredible. But you know what? Not even the biggest. The biggest jellyfish. Whoa. Now, this is photoshopped a lot on, online, but it is true they are huge. The lion's mane jelly. They can get to 2.2 meters in diameter, over 200 kilos, and 37.5 meters long. That is longer than a blue whale. Whoa. Absolutely incredible, aren't they? Now, it's not all bad news. I mean, you probably wouldn't you would probably wouldn't want to meet that animal out in the wild, would you? You think of the uh, the venom blasters, the nematocysts, as they're called, along those tentacles of a 37 and a half meter lion's mane jelly. It's quite incredible. I'm just, I'm trying to imagine, like, by the time you've been stung, you still probably haven't even seen the body. <laughs> that's right. That's like, right. It's right. so far away from you. Yeah, yep. But it's not all bad news. As I mentioned, um, I mentioned before they have a bioluminescent goo. And this is quite incredible because some jellies have this and it's literally transformed science as we know it. It's called GFP, a green fluorescent protein. Um, and it's literally a glow-in-the-dark protein, uh, glows in fluorescent light. And it's used to tag proteins to study cellular change. So what that means is we can map by injecting this into the human body and other animals, we can map the movement and spread and growth of cancer and HIV cells. So the, this bioluminescent goo is really, really useful for us and has changed the landscape, which is pretty awesome. Do you think this bioluminescent goo could kill coronavirus? Uh, let's give it a go. If, if we could see the coronavirus cells glowing in the dark, I think that would give us a huge benefit. I don't know. Yeah, you just go out at night and ask everyone to step out the front of their house and just go, right, all the glowing people, you're infected. We need to do something with you. Yep, we'll give it a shot. Uh, maybe you've come, on to, uh, come up with the next brilliant idea. <laughs> um, yes, I'm definitely going to put that forth just inside. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, but I know I've mentioned some really amazing jellies. Why don't we chat just for a second about some of the um, the ones that we're more familiar with. Uh, Heather, are you familiar with the, the, the man of war and the, the blue bottle um, and also the box jellyfish? Yeah, the blue bottle. I remember years and years and, oh, probably more years than I care to remember. Um, my mum and I went on a holiday down to Tassie and we were walking along the beach and there were blue bottles everywhere. Yeah. I've never seen yep. that yep. before. They seem to come in big swarms and blooms and I've actually been caught in the water where suddenly they're all around me. It's it's not much fun because you just know that's going to hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Now, I haven't been stung for a long, long time, but I have been stung as a kid and I certainly remember it. Well, it's funny. I remember years ago too, I was scuba diving with a guy, Dave, who I used to work with at a liquid zoo and um, we came across a blue blubber. Oh, yes. And I don't know why, but in his head, he decided that blue blubbers didn't stink. They certainly do. Okay. I can see where this story's going. Yeah, no, he, he headbutted it. Um, and then we discovered that, yeah, they, they absolutely do stink. So, folks. So he had this massive red mark where his mask <laughs> ended and his forehead began. I, uh, I think I should step in here. Uh, folks, we are not condoning headbutting jellyfish. That is <laughs> something. No, Oh, okay, okay. You know, struggling a little bit, but he, he did headbutt it. And I so, think I still have a photo somewhere. If I can find it, I'll put it on Facebook. But he had this massive red mark on his head. So lesson learned. 
Don't headbutt jellyfish. That's right. Or jellies can sting because they can't. Even the most passive ones. So blue blubbers, as you mentioned, they actually house algae in their tentacles. So they can feed completely off the algae. Uh, But even those passive ones can sting you. So, um, yes, just try to stay clear. Um, But if if we're talking about... Yeah, if we're talking about staying clear, back to the blue bottles. Um, they're quite amazing. They're, they're part of the siphonophore family, siphonophore, and that means they're a colonial organism. It means they're not one single organism. They're actually a multitude of organisms stuck or fused together that uh, called zooids uh, that do different functions. So in the case of the blue bottle, they're actually four different clonal animals. So individual organisms that differentiate alternate tasks, such as floating, capturing prey, feeding, and reproduction. So what you're actually looking at is four clones of yourself, if you imagine yourself, four clones of yourself that do different functions and you can't survive with the others. So pretty amazing. I remember trying to teach that to um, the first few university students at La Trobe Uni, and they really struggled to understand that how this thing that looks like an animal is a colony. Yes. Why is it not just an animal? Yes. And some of these siphonophores can actually uh, get really, really long. I think the record was, and don't quote me on this, I think it's about 36 metres long. All these individual organisms stuck together. They're, they're quite incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yep. The ocean does some pretty amazing things. The ocean I mean, definitely does some amazing things. Great, but ocean animals just, they hit it out of the ballpark. <laughs> not that we're biased or anything on a marine <laughs> biology show. No, we're not. No, definitely not. Okay, well, we might take a quick break. And I have found a few different uh, playlists on Spotify related to Corona. So if we haven't heard enough about it. So I'm not going to tell you what song is, Aaron, but I think you are thoroughly going to enjoy the comedy of this one. Fantastic.
Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card, and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. <laughs> Very appropriate. Now, folks, back to jellies. My my last one. Actually, maybe I'll go to two. Uh, my last, my favourite is the box jellyfish. That is something that most people know to avoid. It is in a different class of all the other jellies that I mentioned. Um, so, for the learned among you, it's not part of the Cyphosa group. It's part of the Cubiop. Cubozoa group, uh, my pronunciation might be slightly off. It means it's slightly different. So we know in regular jellyfish, their central uh, nervous system is very, very simple. It's certainly the same in the box jellyfish, but it's a little bit more complicated. They are incredible. Uh, so they have 24 eyes, four of which are as complicated as yours and mine. And as far as we know, by the positioning of their eyes, they're the only animals on earth that can look 360 degrees at one time. Very, very cool. And we think they can actually look at an object, and that could be a fish, a shrimp, uh, maybe something that's way like branches or roots of mangroves, and work out what that is and react accordingly. We know when it sees fish, it can actually accelerate up to about eight kilometers now, so chase that fish down. And we've actually talked about this a while ago on this program, how at nighttime, around mangroves where they live, they actually drop to the bottom because they can't see, it's dark. So when it's light again, they use those eyes to jump back up, but they don't want to get tangled in those mangroves roots. So they're using those eyes to figure out what's going on and move around. So they're quite extraordinary. That, that is pretty amazing. Yeah. When we look at jellies, we tend to think of them as such a, a simplistic animal. Yes. That looks like, you know, ooze that we think everything else evolved from. We take them for granted. Definitely, definitely. Um, and to illustrate my point, there was uh, there is a jellyfish expert in Melbourne, actually, uh, Dr. Lisa Ann Gershwin, and um, she's spent a long time studying uh, jellies in the wild. And she was in the water with a box jellyfish, and the box jellyfish was coming towards her. And apparently, so she says, it stopped in its tracks, saw her, went around her, and then kept going. No. Yeah. So. <laughs> This is quite an incredible animal. I mean, it may not be able to think and process what's in front of it like we can, but it, it, it's able to go, there's something in front of me, I need to get out of the way and react to that. So quite incredible. That is amazing. I'm definitely look at, going to look at jellies in a different light when I am eventually allowed to go out and scoop it up. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, one more I will talk about today is the immortal jellyfish. Maybe some of you have heard about this. It's a real thing. The immortal jellyfish, there's a couple of different types. So uh, they're part of the hydrozoa group, so they stick to the seafloor. And when stressed or injured, it can actually revert back to its juvenile pulp form. So imagine um, you're sitting here at your desk and suddenly there's a stressful uh, environmental condition. Uh, maybe you're hungry. <laughs> That's pretty much the worst thing that happened to us. Maybe you get coronavirus and you go, you know what? I'm going to revert back to being a baby. 
uh, and I will actually have clonal babies as well, but then I'll just grow up to be an adult. So I'm just reverting back to being a baby. Everything's healed, everything's fine, and off I go. And, you know, this, in theory, could just keep going and going and going, hence the immortal jellyfish. I, I have a feeling one particular worker leader may have already mastered this. I mean, when things don't go well, he reverts to a childhood <laughs> Whoever that could be. Who knows? Who could be? No idea who you're referring to. Oh, no, of course not. Well, that's that's really cool. So they just keep reverting back. So because they're just recycling their cells, they remain the same individual the whole time. That's right. That's right. So quite incredible. So hopefully, folks, as you're listening in, you're starting to realize and not just taking that whole world of jellyfish or jellies, sea jellies, uh, for granted. They are they are amazing, diverse and spectacular animals. And as I mentioned before, considering they're made from over 95 percent water and survive for at least 500 million years, uh, they deserve some interest. And maybe in this isolation, if you're finding a bit of spare time, look up some of these animals that we've been discussing and just discover for yourself how incredible they can be. I think I think the other thing we need to consider is by the time the restrictions are eased, it might be the middle of winter, which is great for going out and snorkeling. Very, very thick wetsuit. It does make it a little more comfortable. It's still going to be cold. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show today. I hope you have enjoyed learning all about jellies. Make sure if you haven't spoken to your mum yet that you get in contact and wish her happy Mother's Day. Um, and yeah, we're going to continue bringing you new amateurish audio, but we're going to do our best and we're learning from each and every experience. Yes. Thank you for bearing with us, folks. Uh, we're still learning the technology, uh, but hopefully you've enjoyed our little chat today. So coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. So enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Bye. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.